0: Welcome to the Best of the
1: Left podcast, with clips today from Al Franken, Ring of Fire, Rachel Maddow, Counterspin, Politically Direct, Tom Hartman, and the Young Turks.
2: Many of you might know this, but I'm a, I'm a Democrat, and as a result, I respect the uh, the outcome of Democratic primaries. So though uh, I've been a long, long, long time supporter of Joe Lieberman, Uh, I'm supporting Ned Lamont. There I've said it. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's so much to be said here, and we'll be talking a lot about it. Uh, A guy named uh, William Galston of of the Brookings Institution who's sort of a DLC Democrat said this, in, and I'm going to paraphrase him, yesterday in a Dan Boltz column. uh, He was talking about foreign policy, but I think it applies to everything, is that bipartisanship, which Lieberman talks about all the time, is a two-way street. And what you can't be bipartisan with a party and an administration that acts uh, the way it does. This Republican Party that, the. by the way, one, uh, we, we mentioned Cynthia McKinney losing, and that's getting some attention, and obviously Lieberman is getting uh, the attention, Lieberman and Lamont. But there was another uh, incumbent who was defeated in the primary, and it was Joe Schwartz in, in Michigan, who is a moderate Republican, conservative fiscally, mm-hmm. which was his problem. He actually wants to balance the budget, so he actually doesn't want to extend these uh, tax cuts and so the club for growth went against him and defeated him and they spent the, the very very right wing club for growth and, and no one's playing that and going like the republican party is eating its own no the Club The Dr- for growth so
0: you supports growth of the federal budget
2: deficit is that correct That's right. They're a lobbying group to to grow that deficit. Yes.
0: And there's a guy running against Lincoln Chafee in Rhode Island named Steve Laffey, the mayor of Warwick, Rhode Island, who is a vicious conservative, also supported by the Club for Growth, and every conservative publication, the National Review, the Weekly Standard, they're all cheering for Laffey over Chafee. You don't see anybody worrying that that's going to be the death of the
2: Republican Party. Okay. But Schwartz lost. Yeah. This guy Wahlberg. And 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 no one's talking about that today. So I this is not. You can't be bipartisan with the Bush administration, with with and with Karl Rove, with, with basically with the group that says bipartisanship is date rape, which is what Grover Norquist said, mm-hmm. and which really is what what Rove and that party stand for. And so what this says, I think. Is a number of things, and one of which is, first of all, there was a big turnout yesterday. It was like 50% in, on, in August primary. That's a big turnout. And Lamont won. And by the way, if Lieberman had not said that he was going to run as an independent if he lost before the, this and had just not done it, I think he may, have, he may very well have won. Definitely would have won. We, but we resent this, yeah. Democrats. <laughs> You can't you can't have it both ways. You can't say now now what is he saying? I'm an independent Democrat? His new party is, is I swear to God, called Connecticut for Liberty. Yeah, well that I know. That's his party, but he says I'm an independent democrat. And then and then also he's saying vicious things about Ned Lamont. You know, basically saying that, that Ned Lamont was uh, oh well here, let, let's play yeah, mainstream. Let's play, let, let's play lean, uh him today on Good Morning America.
3: I worry that this victory yesterday by Ned Lamont, which was a narrow victory, uh, it will, will send a message across uh, our state and our country that the Democratic Party has taken has been taken over by people who are not from the mainstream of America, and, and that they are going to make this not Bill Clinton's Democratic Party anymore. And remember-
2: well, okay, Hillary Clinton immediately sent five thousand dollars from her PAC to Ned Lamont. Now, I'm, I'm,
0: you know, the ins and outs of of our electoral system are not something I consider myself as expert on. As you guys do, do narrow victories count in our system. It depends on the state. <laughs> Unfortunately, in Connecticut, narrow victories do count. Uh, I mean, what's that? That's, you know, uh, w- w- is that what what he would have said if it had come out the other way? No, I'm encouraging Ned Lamont <laughs> to stay in the race and run as an independent because I only won by by two percentage points or four
4: percentage points.
2: Okay, uh, there's much to uh, take issue with in this in this short statement, but uh, the Democratic Party has been taken over by people who are not from the mainstream of America. That sounds dangerously like Karl Rove talking. Yeah. Basically, th- this is people, the mainstream of America, by the way, um, is reacting to the Bush administration. And you, Joe Lieberman, have given cover to the Bush administration and their methods by saying that any Democrat who attacks the commander in chief for his or criticizes them is giving, uh, is is undermining his credibility at our risk. Well, that is totally giving cover to the Bushies to do what they've been doing. And that's what the mainstream of America resents.
0: And isn't, Lieberman undermining the credibility of his of Lamont at his party's risk. Exactly. Isn't this the he exactly should graciously same thing?
2: be going like he should be uh, you know he should be on stage today with Lamont congratulating him. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. Can I play another one of these clips? Sure, go ahead. Right, I'm
0: gonna play direction. It's the fifth one. Okay. I know
3: that a lot of people in this state, and not just Democrats are angry about the direction in which this country is moving. Well, so am I. People are fed up with the petty partisanship and angry bickering in Washington. It is continually blocking progress on major problems and wasting America's greatness. Let me tell you, I've been there and I am fed up too.
0: You couldn't come up with a better example of not getting it than a man saying, I'm angry too, I'm angry about the angry bickering and petty partisanship.
5: Lieberman, our new Zell Miller, well, he lost the battle, but he claims he's still in the war, planning to run for his Senate seat as a so-called independent. Joining us now is David Bender. He's a veteran Democratic insider and host of Politically Direct here on Air America. So, David, now the true Joe Lieberman is really showing, isn't it?
6: Well, you know, he hasn't kept it under wraps terribly well. And, <laughs> and I, I think my, one of the really interesting things is one of the first phone calls Lieberman got this past week was from Karl Rove. right. And, you know, he said that it was just a courtesy call and so forth. And, you know, I haven't noticed Karl Rove making too many courtesy <laughs> calls to to Democrats in recent years. Yeah. It's uh, quite a courtesy. And then you have the spectacle of Dick Cheney you know, saying that, you know, Joe Lieberman's loss was going to be good for al-Qaeda. Yeah. Al-Qaeda. yeah you got to love that. You know, al kind of sitting over there going, gee, I'm worried about Joe Lieberman. Don't you think
5: uh, this is a bad call? I mean, by people that are planning the November elections, I don't think I'd be making these moves. I mean, look, you've got a Republican opposition over there. Uh, he's an unknown lawyer by the name of, I think, Alan Schlesinger. That's right. So you've got a popular Republican governor, Jody Rell, right? Jody Rell, right. So how does that mixture add up for November And how is it bad politics, you think, to be jumping in this early, making commitments like that, committing the party to support this new Zell Miller, by the way, of Joe Lieberman?
6: Well, you know, here's what I think in terms of the politics of this. This is all about, you know, Lieberman had to form his own party, as you know, in order to be able to run as an independent. And it is the Lieberman for Connecticut party. The (laughs) truth is, Mike, it's the Lieberman for Lieberman
5: party. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. This
6: is Joe for Joe. This is all about the perpetuation of the insider class in our politics, you know, the permanent government of both parties. The go-along-to-get-along crowd that, you know, David Brooks has been writing about all week. Well, well, listen, let's... Preserve the center with people like McCain and Joe Lieberman. This isn't about the center. This is about ambition, pure and simple. It's what it's always been about with Joe Lieberman, who, when he had a chance to step down from his Senate seat when he was running from Al Gore so that a Republican governor wouldn't appoint a successor when we were trying to take back control Mm -hmm. of the Senate.
5: In which we could have. In which we could have. He
6: didn't do it. Joe Lieberman has always been about Joe Lieberman, and that's what this is.
5: Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, he says that the party has lost touch with mainstream America. Sixty percent of the people Uh that, on this war issue, think the war's a mistake. It's not that the Democratic Party has lost touch. It's Lieberman and Zell Miller and the Republicans have lost touch with the people, because you got to remember, it's the people who voted against Joe Lieberman. It wasn't the party. These were people that showed up at the polls and expressed their disdain for this thug Republican administration and this war. You
6: know, Mike, when you're going back and you look at some of the things that were said, and some of the things that were said by Joe Lieberman's friends in the DLC, you know, the centrist groups, all attacking Howard Dean back in the day when the first sort of people-powered internet movement in our party got started. And one of the things that they beat up Howard Dean about was not recognizing the results of an election. Howard Dean lost in Iowa, lost in New Hampshire, kept running, and they said, you know, you got you got to deal with reality, you got to deal with the results. And these same allies, the same Al Fromms and the people who are supporting Joe mm-hmm. Lieberman now yeah. were all over Howard Dean for not being willing to acknowledge the results of an election. Well, Howard Dean this week just sort of spun that back at him and said, you know, the people have spoken, Senator Lewis Well, Lieber.
5: i, I got to tell you something, though. I'm already seeing, you know, it's it's easy the day after to have all these people that have worked so hard and, you know, they've put everything, into Joe Lieberman. It's easy to say, well, we're going to continue. But once the realism comes out in this uh, and once people really start understanding what an uphill battle it is, the people that really do want to do the best thing for the party are going to understand that uh, you know, they're not helping the cause of America at all. Lieberman's really not that big of a threat, I don't think to I split, agree with that. to split the Democratic Party. He's just he he just doesn't have that foundation once mainline Democrats who want to do the right thing start understanding that it is all about Joe Lieberman. He always has been. He never should have been a vice presidential candidate. Everybody said he shouldn't have been. If Graham would have been on the ticket, it would have been over. But he's the one that caused the most problems. People don't know that story. The infights were caused by Joe Lieberman so Joe Lieberman could get on the ticket when there were a lot better vice presidential candidates. So this guy has a long history of doing just what's best for Joe Lieberman. Why
7: do you drink it tell you're blind? And if you swear that there's no truth, and who cares? How come you say it like you're right? Why are you scared to dream of God? When it's salvation that you want? You see, stars that clear have been dead for years. The idea just lives on In our wheels that roll around As we move over the ground And all day it seems We've been in between A past and future town
8: Now it's time to wade into the old mainstream to see what gold is worth panning for among today's top stories Eureka! The first story on today's Rachel Maddow Show front page is about a little political problem emerging in Connecticut. Uh, you will recall that the head of the Republican Party, Ken Millman, uh, refused last week to endorse the guy in his own party, the guy in the party of which he is the head. He refused to endorse the Republican who is running against Joe Lieberman for Senate in Connecticut.
9: You got an opportunity now to endorse. To- Who are you endorsing? <laughs> I endorse Chris Matthews. I, I think it's up. I think it's up to the Republicans. You're not going to endorse. You're decision. not going to ask the people. What, we got a bunch of Republicans in Connecticut watching the show right now. Do you want them to vote for Joe or I, for? I Alan? think. I, I think they're going to look. I think they're going to make their decisions.
8: I think they're going to make their decisions. This is very awkward, right? The head of the Republican Party, Joe Lieberman, jumping up and down and saying, I'm an independent Democrat running for election against the Democrat, who my state's Democratic voters chose in their Democratic primary. And then to have only the support of the Republican Party, it's very awkward for Joe. Uh, but not nearly as awkward as this exchange yesterday at the White House press briefing. Uh, this is Tony Snow, the president's spokesman and flautist, uh, being asked what you might think is a relatively straightforward Question about that Connecticut race.
7: Does the uh, president support the Republican candidate for Senate in Connecticut? Um,
4: um, the president supports the the democratic process in the state of Connecticut and wishes them a successful election in wait, November. So wait, wait, I realize he supports democracy, but I'm wondering, does he actually support his own party's candidate? I, I know that's not his. Why, uh, why aren't you committing your? Why would the president commit to support the Republican candidate in that? I don't know. Why do you ask? <laughs> is there something about the candidate that I should know about that, that would lead to judgments? I'm just, I'm just asking you. No, I mean, just... It seems it's like just, a very it's natural it's thing that why wouldn't he support a member of his own party? Is it because he's well behind in the polls? Is it because the president likes Joe Lieberman? Uh, there there may be there are a whole host of reasons the president is just not going to play. Really? I, it's not really a game. I mean, it's it's uh, not a game. It's, it's not a, a game, good. And I'll, but, I'll okay, I'll tell you what. I'll are free to... The, the political office to give you the full judgments on that. I think you know the situation in Connecticut.
8: That's the equivalent of a White House press secretary belly flop. That is... How could he not have an answer to that? Not even something he was going to make up. That was just... That might possibly be Tony Snow's uh, worst moment since the Tar Baby comment. Uh, He says, the president supports the democratic process in the state of Connecticut, but not the democratic process by which members of the president's own party chose a candidate to run in that election. He'd prefer not to endorse the Republican in the race in favor of a candidate who also does not respect the democratic process by which members of his supposed party chose their candidate to run for Senate. It's just, it's insane that they're trying to uh, still spin this without just saying directly what they all mean. I have predicted that Joe Lieberman will officially become the Republican candidate for Senate in Connecticut. Uh, the first poll taken since last week's primary has Lieberman leading Lamont 46 to 41, uh, with Republican Alan Schlesinger turning up with 6 points, 6% of the vote. The Republicans are going to need to fight for their lives to hold on to their majorities in the House and the Senate this fall. Uh Lieberman winning as an independent will not help the Republicans. Lieberman winning as a Republican really would help them try to retain their majority in the Senate. So now the president won't endorse the Republican. The party chairman won't endorse the Republican. The Republican candidate has 6% in the polls. What do you think they're going to offer Lieberman to make him switch from independent to Republican here? How does a McCain-Lieberman 08 Ticket Sound to you, or Rice and Lieberman, maybe Jeb and Joe 2008.
2: What do you
7: think they can offer him as a sweetener to make him switch? No, it's not much, but it's the best I can do. My gift is my song, and this one's for you. And you can tell everybody,
5: Right now, we're back with David Bender, veteran Democrat insider and host of Politically Direct on Air America. We're talking about Senator Joe Lieberman's loss to Ned Lamont this week in the Connecticut Democratic primary. Lieberman really is our new Zell Miller. He's staying in the race as what he calls an independent Democrat. But national Democratic leaders, they're not buying it. David, read some of the tea leaves for us.
6: The tea leaves are that there is now an unleashed sort of progressive force within both the party and the country. And, you know, all it took, Mike, was an election which showed that at the end of the day, it was past a moral victory. It was time to actually get a practical victory. And It was a four-point victory, and I'll point out that you know those races, uh, the Republican race in the House in California, Brian Bilbray beat Francine Busby, that was four points, too. And no one said that wasn't an actual win. Mm -hmm. This is a flat-out win for for progressive Democrats who are the mainstream, as you point out. It is 60% on the war, and it is on a host of other issues. And here's what I think this speaks to. Yes, I think Ned Lamont's going to win in the fall, but much more important— This has allowed a lot of Democratic leaders, and you saw this this past week in their comments in the few days after the election, where you see Rahm Emanuel saying, you know, the problem for Joe Lieberman was that he was George Bush's love child. (laughs) You know, when you get rhetoric like that, Mike, that's that's what's going to change the dynamic of this, because the problem is... Democrats have been beaten like a drum for so long that it's, you know, it's spousal abuse. You just keep saying, well, it must be my fault. That's what this is allowing Democrats to say. We are right, and we're going to go forward in November with that attitude. You know what else is
5: very interesting about this? I just think this is, this is so elegant, the way this is unfolding. Is What's happening with the Democrats is you have kind of the rise of citizens' hands-on control, and they're taking it away from the Democratic advisors that have been just disastrous for the Democratic Party for so long. I mean, you have this rise. I, I call it rise of the citizens' media. Look at what put Lamont in office. It was the bloggers. It was people that every day get up. They know the issues better, honestly, better than most insider advisors for for the Democrats. So they they start framing the issues and they promote and perpetuate those issues. It's a rise of something the Democrats have never seen. And the good news is is it would take 10 years for the Republicans to catch up with that.
6: Yeah, and that's because they don't have, and and they've been trying, too. You know, you look at the right-wing blogs and their traffic keeps going down. They don't understand and, frankly, can't philosophically the fundamental principle of why the blogosphere works on the progressive side. It's because it is from the bottom up. It is not top-down. It is from the grassroots. It is people-powered politics. And in order for it to work, you can't simply put up a blog and say, here are our talking points, which is the way from Karl Rove, you know, mm-hmm. on down in this administration, right. the Republican message has worked well, for well, six well, years.
5: especially when the bloggers, David, are talking about what 60% to 70% of the American public believes. First of all, 60% feel like the war is a disaster. 70 plus percent think that this administration is a complete failure and has taken this country in the wrong way. So what does that say? That says that the people that are blogging those issues are getting the traffic. And the Absolutely. people, the people that are blogging the Karl Rove talking points, are disappearing. Just look what's happening to television right now. They're scrambling around on television trying to figure out what in the hell, where do we find our center? And the, and so this rise of citizens' media actually put Lamont in office. Is there any question in your mind about that?
6: No, not at all. As you say, it's the citizens' media. It is the citizen and what they call people-powered activism, which you'll find you know a phrase that resonates on the blogs. But that is exactly what's been at work here. And that's why it is so much more important to see the ripple effects this is going to have in terms of other Democratic officials, particularly within the Democratic Party, the Republican Party is going to try and use this. The tired old talking points are out already. This is George McGovern. Most people in the electorate, Mike, they don't, don't even don't know remember who, George McGovern. They have no, they have no idea. You know, go is. ahead. It's, it's like yeah. us bringing up Herbert Hoover now. Okay, yeah. it's over.
0: <laughs> yeah,
6: it's done. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing. You were talking about poll numbers. The Washington Post ABC poll this past week is showing that the number of people approving of their own incumbent member of Congress. You know, it's always been. People are unhappy with Congress It's down to the low 20s, but they always like their own member. You know, they always say, well, my guy's doing okay." Yeah, yeah. Down to 55 percent. That is the lowest number since 94.
5: I saw that. It's a startling number, and the Republicans understand that. Again, I can't overemphasize the importance of something like Daily Cause in some of these bloggers. Absolutely, my
6: DD and others.
5: Exactly. They understand the pulse of America better than the Madison Avenue spinmeisters. Talk about some of the folks that had the impact.
6: Well, certainly David Kosin and Chris Bowers and others at MyDD, com. But, you know, there were local Connecticut bloggers, a lot of them, Mike. And, you know, sure, there was a national focus and a lot of national encouragement. But locally, you found in every corner of Connecticut people blogging in real time. And one of the things that I thought was fascinating was they also were doing video blogging. And I don't know if you saw this, but when people like Barbara Boxer went into Connecticut and campaigned for Joe Lieberman, these video cameras, you know, handheld video cameras like reality television, uh, uh, they followed the event just, and, and went up to Senator Boxer and it. said, w- what about his position on choice? What about this idea that if you can't go to a local hospital, well, it's a short drive to another hospital <laughs> for a woman? Well, says Barbara Boxer, he never said that. And... Course. He did <laughs> oh say that, God. and that video went on YouTube, and of yeah. course, YouTube is now huge in this whole process. Yeah. and it went around the country within a day. Yeah, and Barbara Boxer and a lot of other politicians got burned by Joe Lieberman's ambition.
5: Yeah, I, I want you to remember something. I remember being in the hallway there at Air America the night of the 2004 election, and you were oh, trying to figure out the numbers. And I remember you making a statement that night about if we're going to take it back, it's going to be taken back at the local level. And that's what you were talking about, isn't it? I mean, think about the impact of that. You're talking about kids. I mean, some of these kids are 17, 18 years old, going out there with their camera, hooked up with their computer, delivering better news than people can get on damn television.
6: That's absolutely right, Mike. And you know what? George Bush's approval rating among people in their 20s is at 20%. Mm -hmm. And so the bloom is so far off the Texas rose now at this point, people, particularly young people, and they were very involved in the Slamont campaign, get that this has got to change. They did not grow up with the old paradigms that we grew up with, and they know that they've got to do it themselves because corporate media is not going to do it.
5: You know what's interesting, David, is there a staggering 40% of Americans have abandoned the source of information that they typically have used in the last year because they don't believe that they can get the information from that source. 60% of the American public. I honestly believe when they were polled, they said that the mainstream media did not have the ability, because of interference with government and corporations, to be able to report the real news. So what that means is that you have a populace that is moving to alternative media like Air America Radio, and at last it's having its effect.
6: That's absolutely right. And here is the sort of dilemma that we all face, Mike. It seems to me that if you're looking at numbers like that, you've got people who are feeling very lost, people who've grown up believing that the media is going to be the voice, the people like us who grew up with a Walter Cronkite in our lives who, you know, in time of national crisis, you had a sober, sound voice who could cut through and give you the truth. The absence of that causes a lot of people to really become... Fearful and look for some solid direction. And, and, you know, I'm sure you've seen John Dean's thesis about, you know, authoritarians. That's how you get a lot of people yes. following, like lemmings, the, the sort of fear-based politics of Bush and Rove and Cheney. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that is it is also an opportunity, and particularly for the ne- this next generation, for younger people, to say they don't have these assumptions. They didn't live with this. And that's, I think, the distinction here is that the people who don't trust traditional media we're the younger folks, and this we're going to see this one unfortunately for those of us who love holding a newspaper, the newspapers are going to go by the boards.
10: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: And at a certain point, what's going to happen is those people will be dominating in the next 20 and 30 years the way media is constructed. And I think we're going to see this is just the tip of the iceberg of the, yeah. of the changes. And, we're going and to that's the
5: story that was told. That was actually the story that, that was has just been told in the Lieberman Lamont election. That's right. Well, look, thanks for joining me, Dave.
6: It's always a pleasure, Mike. Uh-huh, bye-bye.
11: After anti-war candidate Ned Lamont defeated Senator Joe Lieberman in Connecticut's Democratic primary, the right-wing punditocracy cranked up the hysteria to new levels. On August 9th, Fox News' John Gibson announced that, quote, the Khmer Rouge wing of the Democratic Party is making a bid for a complete takeover, close quote. He named one of the right's favorite bogeymen, Michael Moore, as a pull pot for his proclamation that the left would work to defeat all pro-war Democrats. Gibson concluded by saying, quote, Remember the mountain of skulls in Cambodia? It's the Democrats' new reality now that the anti war rabble has tasted blood by taking Lieberman down. That's right. Fox's John Gibson compared Lieberman's defeat in a Democratic election to a horrific genocide that tortured and killed hundreds of thousands of people in Cambodia. Gibson wasn't alone in such comparisons. Conservative columnist Cal Thomas wrote on August 10th that Lieberman's defeat proved that the left wing of the Democratic Party had, quote, morphed into Taliban Democrats because they are willing to kill one of their own if he does not conform to the narrow and rigid agenda of the party's kook fringe, close quote. He pursued the theme further, writing of a Democratic fatwa and jihad, and mused that, quote, perhaps the few remaining rational Democrats should put on their burqas now and submit to the will of the party mullahs, close quote. Such thinking even seeped into so-called straight journalism when on CNN Headline News on August 11th, anchor Chuck Roberts asked a guest how the British bomb plot might affect the Lieberman-Lamont contest. Quote, might some argue, as some have, that Lamont is the al-Qaeda candidate, close quote. After much pressure, on August 15th, Roberts invited Lamont on headline news and apologized, noting that no one, in fact, had said that Lamont was the al-Qaeda candidate. Roberts then gave Lamont the opportunity to address other attacks on him by politicians and the media. Gibson and Thomas, on the other hand, apparently stand by their words.
5: There's something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speaking their minds
8: are getting so much resistance from Those are some of the stories making headlines around the country and around the world this morning. But every day here on The Rachel Maddow Show, we do enjoy poking a sharp stick at the soft white underbelly of the right-wing scheme machine... <coughs> giving you a little peek at their political playbook. Uh, Today's underbelly political tactic is damning with faint praise. Uh, It's a follow-up on the weirder and weirder and curiouser and curiouser struggle that the Republican Party and the White House in particular, the struggle that they are having explaining um, why they're basically endorsing Joe Lieberman in the Connecticut Senate race, even though there is a Republican running in that race as well, a man named Alan Schlesinger. Um, You know, Republicans in Connecticut went to the polls in their primary and they picked Alan. They didn't pick Joe, but now the National Republican Party is kind of spitting in their faces about it. On Tuesday, you might recall, reporters asked the White House press spokesman, Tony Snow, uh, if the president would be endorsing the Republican candidate in Connecticut's race.
4: No, I mean, It seems it's like just a very a natural t- thing that why wouldn't he support a member of his own party? Is it because he's well behind in the polls? Is it because the president likes Joe Lieberman? Uh, what's there there may on? be there a whole host of reasons. The president, I'm just I'm not going to play.
8: I'm just not going to play. This is big news. The Republican Party nationally, headed by Ken Melman, they are not endorsing the Republican candidate. The president not endorsing the Republican candidate. This is a U.S. Senate race. Uh, A sitting president not endorsing the candidate of his party in a U.S. Senate race. Uh, Tony Snow on that same day uh, tried to make it seem like, actually, you guys shouldn't be so weirded out by this. This kind of thing happens all the time. There
4: have been races in the past where where candidates... Uh, didn't meet the expectations of the local parties, and, and presidents have stayed out, Democrats and Republicans, in the past. two uh, we'll, years
8: We'll, you know what? Perfect. We'll, we'll put together. We'll do the asterisk for you. <laughs> perfect. Uh, so the, there, we, the reporter there says, I, I'd like to see a list. Snow says, perfect. We'll do the asterisk for you. And what he means by that is in the transcript, when they post the transcript of that briefing, after that question, there will be a little asterisk. And then at the bottom of the transcript, there will be Tony Snow's written answer to that question. Uh, so the, the next briefing was yesterday, and, and then there was a follow-up about it.
4: Tony, I wonder if you've found any examples of other Republican presidents not endorsing Republican candidates. You know what, we've, we've, got to, we've got to pull that out. We, we pulled it yesterday. I'll get it for you.
8: I'll get it for you. They did it. They came up with a list of pre, of precedent, right? What All the other examples of other presidents refusing to endorse major candidates from their party. I bet they're glad this thing is only an asterisk at the bottom of a transcript because since 1980, there has been one case, one case in the past 26 years of a president refusing to endorse a major candidate from his own party. And that would be the case from 1991 with Bush's dad. It would be the case of David Duke, the Klansman, who was the Republican candidate for Louisiana governor in 1991. This list that they put out, there were other examples of other people not endorsing candidates like campaign committees or uh, groups of officials or generally there was one case with Reagan agreeing to not campaign against some Republicans' opponents, but that wasn't the question. The question was, when did a president not endorse a major Republican candidate for office from his own party, right? The only precedent, the only example from history was a Klansman. There have been races in the
4: past where where candidates... Uh, didn't meet the expectations of the local parties and,
8: and presidents have stayed out. No, actually there's just been, one, at least there's just been one since 1980 and that, that was a Klansman. And so the question is kind of there lying in the middle of the room. Are you saying that Alan Schlesinger in Connecticut, the Republican Party endorsed the Repu- the guy who was picked in the Republican primary there? Are you saying that he's as bad as a Klansman? Really? damning with faint praise, the White House bending over backwards to try to say that the decision not to endorse that Republican has anything to do with that poor little guy himself. It has nothing to do with Joe Lieberman. It's all about Alan Schlesinger, who is apparently as bad as a Klansman.
7: Your hand on his arm, he that charm around your neck. Strung out and thin, calling
8: some friend, trying to cash some check. He's acting dumb That's what you've come to expect
6: Right to it. My first guest was at the epicenter of the campaign for Ned Lamont, having been one of his most energetic and articulate supporters. She's the congresswoman from California's 35th congressional district and one of America's truly great progressive leaders, Maxine Waters. Welcome to Politically Direct.
7: Thank you. It's so good to talk with you. Thank you for being right on the issues.
6: Well, left on the issues, actually. You are left but on that, the that issues. That would—that's uh, right. that's a distinction <laughs> with a difference, as as we say. Uh, yes. Maxine, I—you I, know—I know this election was a. About Connecticut and about Ned Lamont and his vision for Connecticut. And it's a great one. We've had him on this program. He's a terrific candidate. He's going to be a terrific senator. But I've got to give you some kudos. I've known you a long time. Uh, We worked together on a lot of political campaigns. (laughs) Let me read something that was um, Marcos Melitsa Zaniga of the Daily Coast, who blogged about this race from early on, almost before anyone else was focusing on it, put a list together. And I I don't know if you saw it, but it's a list of winners and losers. And, you know, uh, obviously there were a lot of people uh, who had been betting on Joe Lieberman, and they came away with sand in their mouth. But uh, in terms of winners, let me read you what he wrote about uh, someone named Maxine Waters. (laughs) He said... Damn, that woman busted her butt for Lamont, and she did so with class and flair. And those of us who are Native Californians know that about you, but i got to say, watching this from afar, you were on fire. You were everywhere for that guy. And as I recall, he was saying things like, you know, when we were done at the end of the day, she'd say, okay, now we have to go knock
7: on doors. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have a lot of energy. You know I have a lot of energy. And when I get fired up and when I'm inspired, I just don't get tired and the people were so warm i want to tell you there was a lot of goodwill in connecticut a lot of those communities that had been ignored who welcomed me with open arms and who listened, who wanted to be engaged. It was a wonderful experience. I went up, you know, three weekends in a row, we'd finish, fly up on Fridays, work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fly out for Monday morning, went up and down that state and made lots of friends and found that there was a lot of support. Some of it was latent. Some of it just needed someone to come and talk with them, but not only. Were there people adamantly opposed to this war, want to bring our troops home? They really were not happy with Mr. Lieberman. They hadn't seen him in some communities in 18 years. Not only had they been ignored, they were being taken for granted, that they were automatically going to vote for the incumbent. So it was a most exhilarating experience. And I have to honestly tell you, I never got tired.
6: I believe that of you, and I and, and, and I suspect you, you're going to exhaust Ned Lamont and the general as that's well.
7: That's right. That's that, right. That, that that's poor
6: right. guy doesn't know what he's gotten himself into. But, 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 Maxine, let me get really serious with you. You know, it's, I think, a sea change. I, I refer to it as an earthquake. We've got all of these sort of geological references. A but tsunami. A tsunami ha- is happening here in, in our party and in our country, and it's a phenomenon, like I say, that you know we have to take a closer look at to realize understand, because, you know, one thing that did happen on Tuesday was that it's the first time in my memory, and we both go back a long way in in this business, that three incumbents lost in primaries, two Democrats and one Republican. Your colleague, uh, first-termer uh, Schwartz from Michigan, yes. lost to uh, an ardent right-wing uh, Club for Growth guy, and, of course, Cynthia McKinney lost in That's her primary right. race in, right. in Georgia. That's right do you also feel having been out there now that there's a general distrust of incumbents across the board
7: well let me just say this it's not so much a in my estimation just a general distrust people are beginning to focus on what their representatives are saying and what they're doing you can't lie to them anymore. We've got more information uh, in you know, on the Internet, and our bloggers are telling the truth. They're sharing and talking with people in new and different ways, not just the corporate media. And so they are beginning to evaluate their representative. Where have you been? What are you saying? Where do you stand on this war? Uh, where do you stand on health care? What are you saying about Bush? Are you standing up? against his policies. These are the questions that they're asking. And increasingly, representatives are going to be evaluated, and you can't just run out to the communities and give out resolutions anymore and kiss babies. It's deeper than that. And the voters are getting smarter and smarter with more and more information. And, yes, they're going to get rid of people who think they are putting one over on them. They're not going to stand for it anymore.
6: Maxine, funny you should mention a kiss because, because kissing babies and kissing George Bush seem to, uh, there's no longer the ability to be perceived as close to George Bush as Joe Lieberman wasn't. And, and you saw Rahm Emanuel, the chairman of the DCCC's comment the day after he I said. Sure did. And you know, it's about time we got that kind of rhetoric out of Rahm Emanuel, I have to say. It, so he's smart. He sees you writing on the wall. Very smart. smart guy. But what Rahm Emanuel said was uh, something to the effect of you know, this is what happens when you're George Bush's love child. Yeah. And, and you know what? It, it's, it doesn't work, and it's interesting. I don't know if you saw this, but Schwartz, who was something of a, of, you know, and if it's possible to use these terms together anymore, a moderate Republican. He wasn't as rabid a right winger in Michigan as the guy who just beat him in the in the primary. Schwartz was attacked for being too close to some of George Bush's politics. So he was attacked from the right. Joe Lieberman was attacked from the progressive side. Nobody, right, left, center, is happy with George George Bush, and I think that's going to be the measuring stick for this election.
7: I think so. Not only are people not happy with George W. Bush, after all is said and done, if you understand that, in particular, if you're a Democrat, you have, you know, run for president and you've been our vice presidential candidate, you're supposed to be a leader uh, for Democratic issues and Democratic Party values, they don't expect you to chastise the other members for criticizing the man that's causing so much harm and so much heartache in this country and then be loved so much that they grab you and kiss you when they're walking through the line, then those symbols have become very, very powerful. It really defines who you are.
6: Well, it defines what the Democratic Party is about. And it's interesting because Joe Lieberman, in his post-election comments, as I'm sure you Saw yeah I did s- said uh, you know he wants to take his party back, and again, I find that possessive description it 's like it is his party, and he has a sense of entitlement to it, despite what the voters have said. you know the democratic voters voted me out well it 's my party, and i 'll take it where I want to go, but he specifically said he wants to take it back from Ned Lamont and Maxine Waters.
7: I heard that, and I just want to tell you that many of the people that I talk with out in the precincts and campaigning, uh, local elected officials, all there's a consensus that we need to get the heart and soul of the Democratic Party back, and he does not represent it. So, this is about you. Such a good Democrat, but you're going to run as an independent, and you're going to rely on Republican votes. But you want to take your Democratic Party back is a real contradiction. It doesn't compute.
10: John Zogby is with us. He is an independent pollster for major news organizations, NBC, Reuters, major media. You've, uh, I'm sure you've heard his name. President, CEO of Zogby International, the website Zogby, Z-O-G-B-Y.com. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Tom. Good to be with you. Great to have you here, and uh, I, I'd like to just set this up, uh, John. Uh, by uh, you and I have talked to, uh, before we went on the air, and you indicated that you'd be willing to uh, have conversations with any of our listeners who may have questions about your polls and and things like that. So, if let me just toss out our phone number here: eight six six four four zero eight four six six. And if you have questions for John Zogby about the polling and things like that, we'll hopefully have an opportunity to get to those as we go through uh, the next few minutes here. Um, hey,
1: Tom, um, yeah, uh, I spend my entire life bothering people at home, especially the dinner hour, asking them questions. The least I could do is allow them
10: to ask me some. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, it hadn't occurred to me the irony of that. <laughs> you just you just completed a poll that uh, about... It, well, rather than my telling you, you well, the, there's about the Lamont uh, and Lieberman thing in Connecticut. Uh, how is how is the question phrased, and what was the result? What did you learn from this?
1: Well, the, there were actually a series of of questions, but I mean, I mean, basically, uh, the the key question, um, uh, you know, was about uh, uh, what the Lamont victory means. Do you agree or disagree that Lamont's victory over Lieberman means the National Democratic Party is? Controlled more by the liberal wing of the party and not by moderates. Seventeen percent agree with that. Eighty-three, eighty-four percent. I'm sorry, sixty-eight percent disagree. So
10: sixty-eight percent of Democrats
1: consider Lamont a a moderate. Uh, a moderate or mainstream Democrat. Right. Uh, I mean, basically, this and the, the results of other questions as well are, are clear. This this election was about Iraq and where democrats
10: uh, stand on on iraq and really it was about very little else i'm you know i'm stunned by this uh, john zogmi that 68% of democrats uh, would answer the question the, I'm not I'm not stunned by by the result of your poll, but by the response of the media. What what amazes me is that I you can't turn on uh, you know the talking head shows uh, the, the 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 commentary shows on TV that that purport to be relatively unbiased. You know Chris Matthews and folks like that. You can't turn these shows on without hearing them describe Ned Lamont as the leftist candidate or the liberal candidate, or the fringe candidate or the 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 anti-war candidate. Or, you know they always put some adjective ahead of his name that is other than, you know, simply the Democrat running against Joe Lieberman. And yet your poll indicates that the Democrats that you've polled don't think of him in those terms. Why the disconnect?
1: Well, for for starts, Tom, you and I get this because neither of us lives in Washington, D.C., and neither of us spends our entire life talking only to people in Washington, D.C. that creates a conventional wisdom, which oftentimes is not true. But clearly... Uh, the, 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 the disconnect here is that this is where Democrats were at even two years ago. And my polling was very clear as early as, as April, May of 2004, when that election was all about Iraq. And yet the Democratic candidates and then ultimately the Democratic candidate, John Kerry, couldn't get their arms around it to come up with a, 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 a clarity in a position that their very base wanted to hear, which was an exit strategy.
10: You mean your polling um, was showing that the majority of Democrats wanted, wanted Kerry to be calling for an exit strategy in the 2004 election, and he absolutely. failed to do that? He Did Kerry know that?
1: Uh, I think Kerry did, but I think Kerry was was concerned that it, he would appear to be flip flopping and that he would open up a charge, uh, open up the charge that he was flip flopping. And then ultimately, what he did was he flip flopped anyway. Mm. I voted for the eighty billion before I voted against right. it, and yeah. God knows where that 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 left us. But let me just share with you a number, and I'm not going to burden people with statistics, but this is staggering. This is our most recent poll uh, nationally. Uh, in in July, we asked the the usual question that we ask, has the war in Iraq been worth the loss of American lives? Overall, 36% of voters agreed, yes, it has been worth it. 57% said no. Uh, But when I look more closely, here's the truth in the numbers. Among Democrats, 16% said the war has been worth it. 82% 82% said the war has not been worth it. Among independents, 23% said the war has been worth it. And 73% said the war has not been worth it. And so clearly what you have here is not only the Democratic base wanting clarity and exit uh, from from, uh, from Iraq, but also a substantial number of, uh, of independents. This is the new political center uh, when it comes to the war in Iraq, the political center—it's not a cut and run strategy, as as some would like to argue. This is what the what Democrats and
10: uh, this year Democrat leaning independents are saying they want. Yeah, over at uh, YouTube, uh, you know, the place where you kind of publish your own your own audio. There's a uh, a clip that one of the uh, one of the users there uh, put together of Richard Nixon in his nineteen sixty eight speech um, in which he was running against Hubert Humphrey for president. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to play it for you, John, and just ask you if you th- you know w- what lessons uh, we can learn from this. This is Nixon taking a position against LBJ and against the war. Here's Richard Nixon.
9: For four years, this administration has had the support of the loyal opposition for the objective of seeking an honorable end to the struggle. Never has so much military and economic and diplomatic power been used so ineffectively. And if after all of this time and all of this sacrifice and all of this support, there is still no end in sight... Then I say the time has come for the American people to turn to new leadership, not tied to the mistakes and the policies of the past. That is what we offer to Americans. Look at our problems abroad. Do you realize that we face the stark truth that we are worse off in every area of the world tonight than we were, when we've had enough of big promises and little action, the time has come for honest government in the United States of America. And there is only one answer to such a record of failure, and that is a complete housecleaning of those responsible for the failures on that record.
10: Now that that uh, you know Nixon setting aside whatever we may think of him or or history may think of him for that matter, that message beat Hubert humphrey,
1: that was eerie, yeah
10: yeah, yeah. Uh, now how, wh- how how consistent is that with what you're what you 're hearing in your polling very consistent with
1: um a half of a message that will win the half of the message is um that we've faced the problem in the world. Half of the message is um, diplomatic efforts are a disaster. Half the message uh, that we're worse off. What's missing so far is the second half of the message, which clearly is what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Uh, I, I for one, and, you know, and I, I will talk to both sides, but let's talk about the Democrats and talk to the Democrats. I, for one, would suggest to them. That if they're counting on simply going into November by saying we're not Bush, and we're not the majority Republicans in Congress that have brought you this mess, that they'll win some seats, but but they won't translate this into any kind of a of of, of a mandate. Um, what what voters and in particular their base are calling for um, is, as I've said, clarity on the war in Iraq, exit strategy and a way of dealing with the war on terrorism um, by, in reverse, linking the failure in Iraq to the war on terrorism. See, the, President Bush has been winning on the basis of that linkage uh, up through 2004. Uh, now, what Democrats need to do is continue that linkage. But doing it in reverse by saying, not that, as the Republicans would say, we're so popular, we're so good fighting the war on terrorism that you need to support Iraq. Democrats need to say, war in Iraq has been a failure. You know that. You, the American people, in fact, are telling us that. And it has actually endangered our fight in the war against terrorism.
12: It's not even close to a Democrat. The minute the primary was over, he put his Republican coat on and went to work. Exi- exhibit A in there. he'd,
13: he'd already been wearing.
12: Uh, he'd been wearing, but he was trying to cover it up. Right, right. No, no, no. That's not an R. That's a D. See if I cover it like this, it's a D. So anyway, so now it's he's all the way back to the demagoguing neoconservative talking points. Now we're going to show you. Uh, what happened on this week with George Stephanopoulos here? Senator Feingold has an excellent response to what Senator Lieberman said uh, after the primary. And I want you to focus on that as well. But mainly, look at what Joe Lieberman has to say in this clip. This is uh, this is unbelievable. Now, for those of you on the radio, Stephanopoulos is going to set this up. You're going to hear Joe Lieberman first, and then you're going to hear uh, Senator Feingold respond. To Russ Feingold of Wisconsin. Here we go.
13: I want to show you uh, Senator Lieberman's response, though, to the foiled London plot, and get your response. Here it is.
12: If we
3: just pick up, as Ned Lamont wants us to do, and get out by a date certain, it will be taken as a tremendous victory by the same people who wanted to blow up these planes and this plot hatched in in uh, England, and uh, it will strengthen them, and they will strike us again.
14: Senator Lieberman thinks that your approach will strengthen the terrorists, and it's a victory for terrorists. What's your response? Well, I like Joe Lieberman, but I support Ned Lamont because Joe is showing with that regrettable statement that he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. The fact is that we were attacked on 9-11 by al-Qaeda and its affiliates and its sympathizers, not by Saddam Hussein. And unfortunately, Senator Lieberman has supported the Bush administration's disastrous, strategic approach of getting us stuck in Iraq instead of focusing on those who've attacked us. I mean, look at the places that have been attacked. India, Morocco, Turkey, Afghanistan, Indonesia, Somalia, Spain, Great Britain. What does this have to do with Iraq? And Senator Liebman is stuck on that point. Ned Lamont and I believe that we should refocus on those who attacked us on 9-11 and not... Simply try to cover our tracks because this was such a, a very poor decision in terms of the overall battle against the terrorists who attacked
10: us. Do you think Senator Lieberman should get out of the race?
14: Well, you know, I think that's his own decision. It would be better for the Democratic Party. I think it would be better for for the people of Connecticut. It would be better uh, for the country if he did it. Not because he hasn't been a good senator. Not because he isn't a good man. But this is a critical time, and we have to change course. We have to focus on those that attacked us on 9/11 and get away from this very mistaken policy in iraq so it would be helpful if he would do it but obviously joe will have to make that decision
13: That's what's going to drive me crazy, and that's one of the Democratic tough guys. And I I like his response, don't get me wrong. But should Joe Lieberman get out of the race? Yeah, he should get out of the race. He's a sore loser. This is not what principled people do. Joe Lieberman lost. He's a Democrat. He has undermined us every step of the way, and he needs to leave, and he needs to leave now before he loses whatever dignity he has left. It is not the time to say, well, it's Joe's decision. Russ, I got it. It's Joe's decision. Of course it's Joe's decision. We can't make him leave. We don't live in that country. So – I liked his response. I did. He's tough, but there's still that, you know, he went into uh, senator-politician mode there, you know. and uh,
12: Yeah, he did, and that's because these guys have, you know they're, being they too, know, they're
13: they're going a little too easy on him, I
12: think. No, that's because they know him. I mean, they've got, you know, to use the David Sirota line of uh, reasoning, they went to the same cocktail parties. They know each other's wives, so they don't, they don't want to tear Liebman apart there, but Ben's right. You're
13: wrong. Especially since he's... There's a good chance he'll be back.
12: Right. Yeah, it, that's another problem. Then you got to work with this uh, guy who's going to work to undermine you even more for the next six years. I mean, imagine that. If you're a Democrat in Connecticut, this guy's going to go back into the Senate, and now he's going to be pissed at the Democrats. He's going to be pissed at you. And he's going to look to undermine the Democratic Party at every single turn. He's going to be like, oh, you thought you support Lamont. Okay, great. Well, I'm with Bush and Cheney again and again and again. There's a, Isn't there another senator that's independent? Uh, Jim Jeffords of Vermont. How is this any different than what Jim Jeffords did? I mean, in terms of just switching party lines. Let's let's answer that question when we come back. That's a big question. Let's answer that when we come back. I just want to say one last thing about that Lieberman quote that you saw. I want you to concentrate on that. He said that voting the Democrats voting for Lamont strengthens the terrorists and supports the terrorists. Yeah. And that is as vile a Republican talking point as there is. That's not just Ken Melman. That's not just George Bush. That goes to That is Dick Cheney talking right yeah, there. You're going to vote for that guy? I don't, even if you're a Republican in Connecticut, you're going to vote for that guy?
13: And then, real quick, it also shows a categoric, once again, it's a point that Feingold made that I think, you know, I hate to criticize a guy like Russ Feingold, who I like a lot. But even in that sense, Joe Lieberman, Uh, You know, Russ Feingold made it about Saddam, but Saddam has gone. Saddam is long out of the picture. Mm -hmm. The fact is, Joe Lieberman went up there and said, if we give a date certain in Iraq, it will uh, be a huge victory to the same people who tried to blow up those planes. Those people who tried to blow up those planes are not in Iraq. And they're they're not from Iraq. The Iraqi insurgency is made up of Iraqis,
12: let alone the people who are causing the most violence now in Iraq, are Shiite militia. No, it's what so the hell do they have to do
13: with the people who are trying to blow up those planes? Nothing, nothing. They are all Muslim, and that is the extent of it. And for an important political figure to either show un- overwhelming naivete about that, or, once again, we've backed into the the, uh, the either ignorance or outright deceit, and I don't think Joe Lieberman is ignorant.
12: How anybody in Connecticut thinks of voting for this guy, we've got to mobilize, man. There's not a lot of time before November. And if this guy makes it back into the Senate, he will be as hardcore a Republican as you will ever find
13: he's, in the Senate. He's doing exactly what everybody else does, uh, which is fear, fear, fear. Look, they're all the same. The Iraqis, the people trying to blow us up, they're coming after you, they're coming after your kids. If you vote for Democrats, your kids will die. He
12: will be Dick
13: Cheney's proxy in the Senate. You like that?
12: You vote for Joe Lieberman in uh, Connecticut.
0: So tell me, Elaine, what do you
6: think about Bill O'Reilly? Sean Hannity? Rush Limbaugh?
7: I'm allergic
6: to bigots. Well, what would you say if there's a whole group of everyday common sense progressives just like you who represent your views in the media?
7: Wow, really?
6: Yeah, what if you could download our shows and take them with you in your car and at work?
7: (laughs) That's great. I never knew that was possible.
6: And unlike Bill, Sean, and Rush, you could call up or email and give feedback about what you think that would actually be included in the shows.
7: Now, that's democracy in action. Gee, there really is a liberal media now.
6: The real media revolution is finally here, Elaine.
7: I'm going to start listening right now. And to see, I never have to listen to those losers again. Thank you.
0: Newmediarevolution.org, bringing you the progressive truth